1: Now, here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on
0: iHeartRadio. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. Fascinating couple hours ahead for you. Dean Slider has taught meditation and awakening throughout the country and beyond since 1970. From corporate boardrooms to maximum security prisons, he's completed numerous long retreats and journeys in India, Tibet, and the West, studying personally with some of the preeminent sages, on the planet his latest work is called fearless living beyond fear anxiety anger and addiction Dean always a pleasure to have you on the program
1: thanks George it's great to be back
0: that that story about the work environment and how people can get tense and anxiety it's it must be everywhere huh
1: oh it is absolutely everywhere you know I travel around the country a lot I teach workshops uh... in you know every part of the map and i'm finding um... it's happening a lot especially with younger people i go on college campuses and the counselors tell me that five years ago the kids were all talking about depression and now they are lining up to talk about anxiety anxiety this kind of free-floating anxiety where people know they're afraid but they're not sure what to be afraid of, you know, what direction is the next threat going to come from. I've found out there's some college campuses now where they've got therapy dogs in every dorm because Jeez. it's just so prevalent.
0: I've been told by some people who have had anxiety attacks that they almost think they are dying on the spot. Is oh, it? Is yeah. it? Is it that bad?
1: Yeah, yeah, it is. It is, and it's... You know, there's this underlying fear that I think, you know, everyone has, almost, almost, and that that word almost is very important, almost everyone has this underlying fear that no matter how well things are going, no matter how well we get things under control, you know, someday either you're going to be standing in the middle of the road with a Mack truck bearing down on you, or you're going to be sitting in some doctor's office being told something that you don't want to hear, Mm -hmm. and it's going to be game over. So there's this sense that, oh, you know, annihilation is waiting. You know, it's always one heartbeat. You miss one heartbeat, and that's it. You're you're done. And so, you know, everything, I think, gets interpreted as a sort of a, a part of that threat. Anything that comes along that threatens our sense of who we think we are, how things are supposed to be going, what we're, where we're supposed to be going in life, it it seems to be like, it feels like it's a part of that threat of annihilation, that we're just going to get wiped out.
0: Are people afraid of dying, generally?
1: Yeah, I think so. I think so. I think that a lot of people would say, well, I never th- think about it, but I think it's just pushed into some corner of, of the mind. You know, people think, most people, their 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 the model that they have of reality is that, okay, I'm this thing. I'm just this carbon-based organism, you know, 100, 5, 170 pounds, 5 foot 10. I go from here to here, and then I stop. It's like being a wave on the surface of the ocean. I'm, I'm just... One wave and, and everything else is so much bigger than I am. And all those other waves I see sooner or later, they crash against the shore and they they cease to be. And I guess that, that's going to happen to me.
0: I was talking about Frank Sinatra a couple days ago. And, uh, of course, we would have been 100 years old. Uh, right. And I just got an email from the son of a woman who starred in a couple movies with him. And uh, it, it's just amazing to hear these kinds of stories, Dean. But the bottom line is she's passed away, too, because right. I, I did a little wiki check. I wanted to see where was she. And she died a couple of years ago. And it's inevitable that all of us are going to get it by the clock one day or another. Yeah. And I, I guess the biggest fear for most people is they haven't completed what they need to do yet. Is is that a factor?
1: Yeah, in fact, um, a couple of stories that I, I tell in the book um, uh, really bear on this. By the way, I want to mention that the title of the book is two words. It's fear Fearless. Two it's words. not fearless. I'm not fearless. I've never met anyone who's fearless. The Do- I've met the Dalai Lama, and he's not fearless. I tell the story in the <laughs> book. He, he's, he's afraid of worms but he but he laughs about it, and that's that's how things
0: change I hate clowns, I'm not afraid of clowns, but I hate clowns yeah
1: right get thee behind me, clowns yeah um so uh let's see we're gonna tell a story about
0: down. about basically pe- people are gonna die they're gonna they're gonna reach that age yep. where they're gone, and some of them of course don't want nobody wants to just die. Right. Unless you've at least accomplished what you need to do.
1: Right. I, and one story that I tell in the book is a, is about something that I heard from my 10th grade English teacher. And he told a story about his father. And his father was one of these remarkable people. He'd been a sailor. He'd been everything. He'd been all over the world. He'd been with all kinds of women. He'd had every adventure you could imagine and when he died, he he literally died screaming because he felt that whatever life was about, he had missed it. She's screaming like in pain or yeah. just screaming? Screaming, screaming like in anguish. I like, no! Like, I missed it. Like, I, I missed really? the point. I missed the movie, yeah. And that that story always haunted me. It always—that was one of the kind of little things along the way that really made me look around and say— Okay, what's it all about? I whatever that guy missed, I I don't want to make the, the same mistake. Now, on the other hand, when my my first wife, Maggie, was dying of cancer. Um, and she was a person and she like me was a meditation teacher, we'd been on long retreats together, and she, you know, as far as I could tell at this point in life, we'd both sort of seen what was that thing that people missed, that the other guy was screaming about missing. And she'd gotten things, she pretty well assimilated that that thing, that bigger thing in her life. So when she reached the point, you know, where the cancer was clearly terminal and there was nothing more they could do for her and she was out of it on, on medication and the decision was made to uh, take her off of the nutrition, the artificial nutrition. And I asked the nurse, and one thing I learned, by the way, is is if you really want to know the score, ask the nurses. Don't ask the doctors. So I took a little walk down the corridor with the nurse, and I said, Well, now that we've disconnected the nutrition, how long will it be until she goes? And she said it could be anything from a day to a month, depending on how much she feels she's completed her life or whether she feels there's unfinished business. And then Maggie went in less than a day. She went in about half a day. So, you know, I felt good about that.
0: I get calls from people who want to know, and they ask me, if there's life after death. Mm-hmm. And the stories I've told people, if, if you die and there is life after death, you're going to know about it, obviously. Right. right. If there isn't, if it simply ends the moment you die... Yeah, don't worry about don't, it. <laughs> don't
1: don't worry about it. You're not going to be sitting there going, "Damn, I, I'm not here." Exactly. <laughs> it's not right. going to happen that way. Right, right, right. And you know, on the one level, and I know you've had Brian Weiss as a guest yes, many times, show, many times, and you've had, I believe, Jim Tucker on the yep. show, and you know, they tell some pretty convincing stories about people's memories of of past lives and and so forth. To me, the the big picture is that, first of all, as one of my teachers, a, a, a Tibetan Lama that I used to study with, this, he put it, look, if we're smart enough to recycle our cans and bottles, don't you think the universe is smart enough to recycle us? That's right. Good point. Yeah. You know why? It certainly feels as if we're, here, we're learning things. In the course of a lifetime, if you're not learning, if you're not expanding if you're not becoming more understanding of other people and compassionate and loving and open and understanding of who you are and what it's all about then you know you're you're missing the point it's it's really like we're in in a school and the the general scheme of things and you know whether you're reading the hindu sources or the buddhist sources or the early christian sources which were later <laughs> edited out um, you know, the details vary, but in general, the picture is like, okay, you're in this school and you attend school from September until June, and then you, you go away for a little while. You're not seen on, uh, out on the, the school ground for a while, and then you come back in September, for, and you're, you're in the next grade unless you're really screwed up and, and they, they flunk you back a grade or two. And when you come back in September, are you the same person? Kind of. Are you a different person? Kind of.
0: When people fear, isn't that a built-in mechanism within our bodies just for survival?
1: Absolutely. And that's one of the reasons why the title of the book is not Fearless. But fear less. Fear, a certain amount of fear is a healthy thing. We're programmed with just the right amount of fear so that uh, we have nat- to have that. Yeah, we have a natural fear of snakes, which is healthy because that way we're going to have a healthy respect to, enough to avoid the ones that are poisonous. On the other hand, I've got a, a friend who can't walk into a pet store because just in case there are snakes there in the glass tanks, she's afraid they're going to smash through the glass, oh, fly through the air, and jump out. into her face. Huh. So, so she's got to learn to fear less. And, and what I do in the book, by the way, is I give people a lot of little methods. I like to, you know, kind of like I throw a lot of different strands of spaghetti against the wall, and, you know, try a few of these things and, and see which ones really... You know, what sticks to the wall for you? Uh, one very simple thing, and actually this one is running on, on the com website. She excerpted this, and uh, it's on her. I, I like to say she, like Oprah personally.
0: <laughs> well, you never know. She's a workaholic. You, you
1: never know. Um, she may
0: be running in 2020 for the presidency.
1: Well, stay tuned. You never uh, know. So... Uh, this little two-page chapter uh, from the book that uh, that's running on the com website is Breathe Through Your Feet. And it's very simply this. And, and actually, people listening can do this right now, whether you're sitting comfortably at home or you can even do – this is one kind of meditation you can do while you're driving. And that is you put your attention on the soles of your feet. Just notice, okay, here's what the soles of my feet feel like. And then as you breathe in, just normal breathing, as you breathe in, imagine you're breathing in through the soles of your feet. Then, mm. as you breathe out, imagine you're breathing out through the soles of your feet. And again, in through the soles of your feet. And out through the soles of your feet. And that's it. And I'll tell you, I've been getting emails from people all over the country telling me, you know, that thing is so stupid simple, but I find I do that for half a minute, and I'm sleeping better. And it's just w- – the thing is, if you're – let's say you're driving, someone cuts you off, you're getting ca- you're caught,
0: caught. road up rage in, in the
1: road rage situation, you're about to do something that you're going to really regret. Or let's say uh, you you've got a public speaking situation coming up. They're introducing you. You hate getting up in front of people and speaking. So, while, you know, before you flip off the guy in the next car or before you get up to the microphone, you take a few moments, breathe in and out through the soles of your feet. And the fact that you're doing that means you can't be totally caught up in the rage or in the fear because there's a part of you that's doing that, that's doing the breathing through the soles of your feet. There's a part of you that's free. From that. I have got I got one email a couple of weeks ago from a person saying, I breathe through my feet now when I'm going to bed, and you're going to put Ambien out of business. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern, and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.